testing, testing, one, two, three. We're going to see if this thing works. I know I have a, it's kind of an eight fear, so I don't want to sit there and record and nothing get recorded. That would irritate me. So let me check it out real quick. So I'm sitting here in West Columbia, South Carolina. Kind of a short day. I had a short day and kind of a cool day, but I had to go get a brake chamber on my trailer repaired because as soon as I got to Greenville this morning, the load, I hear this the steady and it's just noticeable it's one of those things that dot pulls you over they go what's that noise and you go i don't know sounds like a tire leaking air so it's a brake chamber it's got a hole in it inside that steel chamber there's an actual hole so i called ahead to penske who does our maintenance and i've been to penske twice this week the first time i went for tires where i had an appointment at one and didn't get out of there till five i've been here since 10 and it's almost three o'clock it's just dreadful sometimes you just kind of go what on earth like you want the trucks maintained you want the trucks running well you want them safe but these people have no way to keep up with it they you you have to give away five hours which is a good thing about this company though you know what they pay by the hour so they're paying right now they're about to go into overtime and they're and they got a tarp pay on top so i'm just gonna take money i'm like hey listen i'm sorry but you don't have to pay and they've been cool about it so i don't mind i just i do hate the idea of wasting time though because Time isn't money. You can always get money. You can get a billion dollars in five seconds. You can never get years of your life back. Just saying. So, like I said, and, and looking at my phone, looking at the news, I, this is going to be kind of a different episode. Because, you know, like I said, I do a lot of this on my feelings and this and that. And that's my mental health. And sometimes I just need to go out there and just be like, hey, stuff's going on in the wider world. It's kind of crazy. And, you know, I do have some unique experience, you know. Listen, it's a truck driver. It's a combat veteran, all this kind of stuff. Listen, I got opinions on stuff. So, right now, the U.S., you're American right now. They're beating the drums about war with Russia. I'm thinking, Russia? What? what why does Russia keep coming up as a bogeyman? It's such a weird thing for us. We're like in this power politics thing with Russia and China and this war in Ukraine. Why have I been hearing about Ukraine the last three, four years? What in the hell is in Ukraine? Is there some gold in there that I'm missing? Are they hiding something from us? It's like, for goodness sakes, like I said, we've already been through it. Garden State Lumberjack, they're just washing trucks in the wash bay, you hear it, pulling out. I'm sitting there looking at it going like, do we need another war? Can we like stop with the war for five freaking minutes? I mean, listen, I'm kind of still soured about Afghanistan because I'm conflicted about it. I did a year in Afghanistan and, you know, people all thank you for your service and everything. And it's always kind of awkward because you're like, eh, uh, you're welcome. I didn't do it for you. I did it for me. The chance to see the world and I didn't want to miss out on a fight. I mean, and you get there and you realize, why are we here? These people just want to live their lives, you know? parts of that war you just come back with going like i just remember going to afghanistan thinking what a waste it was so much waste going on it wasn't like a war it was just like so many hanger-ons just myself included at times because when i wasn't running convoys i'm sitting there doing briefings or we're doing things for distinguished visitors one second let me take a swig of water because i'm tired i've been sitting in this truck for five hours the sun's right on top of me give me one second and so you know I wasn't a fan when these old people and these people with billions of dollar contracts, defensive contracts, decide, oh, we're pulling out of Afghanistan after some amorphous reason for going there. Anyway, it's like 9-11. They come from Saudi Arabia. 
let's go set up shop in Afghanistan for two decades and nothing happens. It's like, what's the way to win the war? What's the end state? I don't go on a football field thinking, you know, we're just going to play and see what happens. It's like, no, we're trying to win the game. This is how you win. You score more points at the end of four quarters. Afghanistan, we didn't have a strategy. There was no strategy for winning. It was always something stupidly amorphous. They kind of used our patriotism against us. Yeah, I said it. They used our patriotism. I'm just glad I never went to Iraq, though. I'd have been pissed. Iraq morally is an evil war. I cannot believe we went there. I can't believe that I... And I was younger, and I was patriotic, and I guess that 9-11 fervor was real. It really did get you whipped up. I mean, you see the images. You see the proud to be an American. And you really did feel that pride. and still do. You know, I love being an American. I love my country so much that I'll criticize her when she's wrong. I'll criticize when her leaders do something wrong. I love my country. I, I don't have to sit there and pretend to love her. I love her. Listen, I'll give all for her, and I'll I'll tell her about herself. Iraq was an evil war. I can't believe George Bush has, like, not been tried for war crimes. That's crazy. Like, you lie and millions of Iraqis die. When you meet an Iraqi person in person, you're like, oh, these are people just like me. They just want to live their lives. Russian people the same way. They just want to live their lives. The Chinese people want to live their lives. You get these governments out here just doing all this. And all this saber rattling. It's like, okay, how about we pave the roads of this country? Let's fix the fact that, I don't know, people don't want to go in the ambulance because they can't afford it. Let's let's fix this fact. Let's fix this healthcare thing for all the American people. Let's use our brains for something good for future generations. Nope, we're, we're not. We're enslaving our future generations. And I become, as I get older, I become more radicalized. I, be, I sit there and go, my kids aren't getting anything out of this system. This system is basically designed to make them a cog and that's really bugging me out and i'm looking at all a leadership of a country they're all like their 80s when did 80 year olds run things used to be in the old world they get wiped out <laughs> younger lions would take them down in nature young lions take down the older lion and say listen your time is done those 80 year olds they joe biden huh? donald trump i don't care all these old people out here running stuff i'm thinking somebody we where's the young lions to take them down Something's been taken out of us. I know, I sound like a weirdo, but I don't care. I look around and I go, this is historically weird. Historically, people don't rule into their 80s with Botox in their face. Or when they're demented. Somebody stronger comes and takes the power from them. Somebody who usually gets the will of the people behind them. Kind of like a populist like Julius Caesar, but it's such a weird thing. That's been a weird part. So that's saber-rattling and it's annoying. I'm like, listen... And of course, obviously, the thing that everyone talks about, and I, I you know, I, sometimes I get kind of nervous about talking about because people get, I don't care. I'm really sorry. I'm not into it right now. The COVID thing, it's just been in our faces for two years. Listen, you can't help it. It's just been in our face. It's like, oh my goodness, this nonsense. Whether you, whatever side of whatever fence they put in, in between you and your fellow man that you are on you have to agree that this has been mishandled okay i know they stuck some fences down and we got on opposite sides and the people that live with us we sat there and we decided to demonize each other one way or the other while i don't know billionaires in pharmaceutical companies make billions of dollars you'll never see that money by the way there's no guarantee of anything, but they'll make all this stuff, and they'll have you fighting with your fellow man. You you miss out on the chance to love your neighbor because, you know what, the billionaire says so. And how do they do it? They use that thing called social media, which I've already told you is antisocial. I have never seen more antisocial tendencies come to the surface than with this thing called social media. Who vetted that term? Who said, listen, is that really social? Is that how media is even supposed to be used? Is it supposed to be social? 
Is that even a thing? In what way is it social? I, I'm, I'm just stunned, you know, and just, you know, the COVID thing. And I, I saw I saw a video and it was just, it's just bothered me because it's no matter what side, I'm not vaccinated. Yeah, I'm not one of the unvaxxed. I'm one of the unwashed masses who decided I'm not putting something in my body because if you say, well, you thought about your neighbor and everything, I said, well, what about me if I die? You don't get compensated. Oh, so it's a one-way street. I'm sorry. No, keep it. I'll t- I'll take the risk that God gave me. I'll take I'll take my chances. I'm sorry. Like I said, how am I going to sit there and put that thing in my body? I have a family that depends on me. You know, I have a life insurance, but I don't get anything. You make billions of dollars and I get nothing. Come on, f out of here. Makes me it makes Lenin and Trotsky look like like choir boys. You just think they would be like you're nuts, right? So that whole thing, you know, I, I saw this video on YouTube and it, YouTube does this a lot because they're controlled. OK, if you don't understand the media is controlled, what we call media is there's no definition of what actually is media, because anything from Rogan to Fox News to CNN to whatever they on TV, the Daily Show can be called media, whatever we ingest. And there was a video and they had a lot of these videos. I'm starting to get irritated with it because there's something weird in my mind. I have a different mind historically. So they showed this video, this guy and saying, and the title of the video was, man is not going to get heart transplant because he didn't get vaxxed. And immediately a bunch of people who were pro-vax obviously were saying, well, that's the choice he made. He should have known, you know, give the organ to someone who's responsible. And I was just thinking, okay, you can feel that way. I don't begrudge you that. But for the news network to put that up there, that, that kind of bad faith, like who, who, who likes, if somebody who's vax dies, you don't dance on their grave. That's suffering. That's a human being. If somebody who's not vax dies, I'm like, there's a lot of bad blood and a lot of people are fucking around with a lot of powerful stuff right now. There's a lot of evil and a lot of bad blood people are playing with right now. And people in America, see, one thing about America, I don't know what other country you come from, where you come from, you might come from that world. But if you see a little bit up close and personal, you realize that humans can flip a switch real quick. And all this bad blood that's percolating and all these elites and everything, this can go from us putting dislikes to putting heads on pikes because humans have that gear they've always had that gear people are playing with dangerous games i'm like like these media people you put your name out there you put your face and you're snickering you know or you're on the right wing or the left wing you're thinking man a century ago people used to put people down for that kind of stuff man they would go in the crowds and gun people down for that kind of stuff and i'm thinking listen we're getting there because people aren't ready for it people are just sending up timber Old church used to have a song, sending up timber to heaven, all your good deeds and all your stuff. You're sending up wood for that house that God's going to prepare. We're sending up timber for a hell of a bonfire. That's what I'm saying right now. We're sending up timber right now. It's bad. But throwing this dip. And I, re- but I realized in the middle of all that craziness, I think the one thing that like, hit me, in the middle of my panic attacks and all this stuff and my feelings. Because I realized when I do an episode where I'm positive, it don't get that many hits. And I go... And it kind of makes you go, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then I realize, the hell with it. I'm going to do it. I like it. <laughs> you know, I like positivity in some doses. You know, I like being thankful and grateful and taking walks down memory lane and being happy. It's just an experience unto itself, you know, because I keep, like I said, it, the funny thing is I do, I do this podcast on the anchor app it's the one i did on my phone i just did it one day it's so weird because the way they do analytics i can't tell how many listens i have an estimated audience of four people so apparently i have over like 1100 plays and like four people 
my audience. So you four people, you weirdos, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, and I hope this helps you. Maybe you listen to it over and over and over again, or maybe you're out there to kill me. I don't know. But I, I started thinking, like I said, all this stuff. Can I look at the news and the social media, anti-social media? I correct myself. And I realized I just compressed the world down to a small thing, especially this week with the panic attacks, because there's so much that can hit you. You can't take in all that information. And one thing that just hit me was like, I just like looking back and looking at the good times and being thankful for what I have. Just the little things. Little things are such a big deal sometimes. They become such a huge deal. Like, I don't give a damn about vax, anti-vax debate. Hang on one second. My guy is texting me about the trailer. Give me one second, y'all. Sorry, everybody. My lead driver called. You know, he's checking on the trailer, seeing my status, and he's talking. But, like, little things. Like, okay, I'm sitting in a truck. I'm sitting here for five hours. God, I want to go home. It's a sunny, beautiful day. I like to just go home and chill and just sit and relax. But you know what? I'm thankful. It's been two weeks since I had a panic attack. Three weeks since I had to go to the hospital. I'm out here trucking. I like trucking. I like it. I, I like being out to all the trucks. Now, I did. Kind of, I do kind of wish I had a truck with a nice big engine. But this, this truck's kind of cool. I, I, I like it. I, I've developed an attachment to it. That's something weird in my life, you know? I, I developed an attachment to vehicles because they have their own kind of personality. This truck is well-controlled. I can hold it with three fingers and stare it in the middle of traffic. Loaded. Full speed. And it doesn't wiggle, wobble, weeble, wobble like my old KW used to do. So I'm, I'm thankful for that little thing. It was funny because um, last week we had winter weather coming. And down south, like I said, they have no idea how to handle snow. You, you mentioned snow and they board up the houses and buy a ball of meat. And I'm like, New Jersey, we go to school with a foot of snow. I mean, come on. It's just part of life. Colorado, Germany, Scotland, it's snow. It's a part of life. It's something you got to deal with. You you don't go speeding on it, but you don't freak out. Whatever I freaked out, but something funny happened. I, I got one of these precious memories. So it snowed that Friday, and I usually go in the afternoon on Saturday to see my kids. I'm separated. So, but I thought I got out that Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm tired, but I'm like, you know what? The snow's going to melt by the end of the day. I need to go earlier when the snow is out because my daughters i never get to see snow never get to do it there's a good amount of snow on the ground about a half a foot you know good good deal i went over there with no gloves played snowball fights with them ran them around threw them in the snow we made a snowman called straw took pictures with him and everything you know and had a hat on and it was funny because he did a carrot for a nose now you know people you know carrots i had my garden that hasn't been taken care of there so i went in that the carrot patch and pulled out a little baby carrot and put it for the nose and my daughter got little rocks for his teeth and everything we had eyes and a smile i put my baseball cap on him my wife gave a scarf to put around his neck and we took pictures with him it was just so nice they liked him called him straw because he had pine straw all over him because that's the only place where the snow really congealed and allowed you to make a big old snowball snow boulder but it was like one of those moments where you're like i'll never be here again you know like wherever our lives take us i'll never be at that moment again and i just sat there and drunk it all in I took a picture, a couple pictures, and that was it. And I, I just drunk in the moment, I'm thinking, yeah, panic attacks happen, but I got to experience that. That's that's so amazing. And you know what? One of the things, like I said, I you listen to this podcast, you'll get a lot of negative. I'm a negative person. I, I it's easy to focus on the negative because it affects us. It makes us feel differently, like the way we don't want to feel. 
and I talk about all my friends left me and everything. I want to go down memory lane because I like to talk about it, you know. I talk about the one friend who never called back and everything, you know. And he he said he was going to call back and one day he didn't and everything. And I was, I was, I was hurt by that and it bothered me a lot. But he was a really good friend. Like I said, we met in the Army. We were in basic training in the Army. He was in another platoon with the same company. We'd been, we'd been together since day one of the Army. We were in the same platoon de- company together. They went to OCS within the same platoon. I didn't really know them that well. Then came time for us to go to our different branch schools. All the infantry officers stayed at Fort Benning. So I stayed a room across the hall from him and everything. And we had a bunch of guys. And we we would just hang out. And it was such... There's something about having people in your life that was so awesome. You know, just you do your stuff at the infantry. You have your guys. You go smoke cigarettes with them. You hang out with them and everything. And on weekends, you have your friends. And you go out and you go party. That was so much fun. I, I used to live for Fridays. And so, in fact, I had a routine when I was in Benning. One weekend, I'd go to Atlanta. The other weekend, I would take the country roads back from Columbus all the way to Sylacauga, Alabama, to Wetomka, up to Talladega, up to Gaston. And I'd get there. My grandma was there. And she'd be in the house, and I'd sit there, and we'd just sit there and hug her and talk and just shoot the breeze for hours until Granddad got off of work. And he'd show off, hey, Reed, and he'd come on in there, and he'd just, we'd sit there and laugh and talk. And I got all these memories. It's just amazing, because my Granddad really was the funniest man. He had this way of talking about everything that was just incredible. And he'd make you laugh. He was funny. He had this sort of whimsical way of just referring to everything and talking about people he would dog people he would rash you mercilessly but he was funny he always meant it good and he was just hanging out with my granddad my cousins were there just be with family and eat and they go where you want to go eat and go out to po folks there was a house called po folks po house and you get some catfish you just sit there and you eat and you hang with family you know it doesn't mean much at that time but you drink that all in because one day you're at their funeral and you're thinking, and that's always been my thing. I don't want to be at someone's casket thinking, I, I wish I had more time. I said, yo, man, listen, this is all here now. We have this moment now. Enjoy it. Drink it all in. Like I said, I, I, I love that. You know, my friend, we went to Germany and it was funny because I went to Germany and I stayed at his place for a while. So I got my place. And we both spoke German. He spoke German really well because he actually had family in Germany. And I spoke German. I took it in college for about three, four semesters. So I, I, could, I could make my way around with German. I could speak pretty well. And it's a funny thing about Germany. I, 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 I'll tell you, I got addicted to in the army was clubbing. I, I never was a club person. <laughs> nightclubs were different back then. It was something about European nightclubs are a different animal. Because, you know, in the States, they got alcohol and drinks and dance and DJs. And they're cool. They close at 2. Nightclubs in Europe. Now they close 6, 7 in the morning. We'd be in Frankfurt. We'd be in Cologne. We'd be in Munich. Munich was an amazing city. Munich was the best spot. I've had so many run-ins. Like, think about Russian people. I almost got in a fight with this six foot seven Russian guy. He kept pushing me at the bar, this, cl- this club. And he's this huge guy. And I'm sitting there drinking my liquor. And I have this... um water side but they give you water in a glass bottle and he pushes me again and i look at him and i finally look at him and i'm like you know what he's not gonna leave me alone i have to confront him and i'm like game on oh now they're fixing my brake chamber now so i might be uh getting off here in a minute 
And I remember reaching down and kind of breaking the bottle off. It was jagged, like in the movies. I went, Shh. and people looked around, and I looked up at him. I held that bottle to him, and I said, you touch me one more time, I'm going to cut you. I looked him dead in the eye. I was dead serious. And my friend, he came right next to me, and he held his bottle and said, let's take him. And we were both there together. We weren't that big. I'm 5'9", 160, 170 pounds. He's 5'7", 165 pounds. We're all muscular. We're ready to fight because he's my friend. The funny thing is, I don't remember what transpired, but I do remember we were drinking and hanging out with those Russian guys the whole night. They were so fantastic. They were just awesome. We were just having a ball. We were dancing on stage, just having the time of our life. It's something about being young and just going and having that beef and then putting it aside and going like, hey, we're people. I loved it. I, I love it. I think of those memories. I smile when I think about that, you know? Me and him went to Munich. We we went into the park. There's a big park in the middle of Munich. Beautiful green grass fields with trees. You've seen it before in European parks where people are doing all kinds of stuff. Riding horseback, walking on tight ropes, doing all kinds of stuff. He had brought a football. There was a little crowd there because you know, I, I can throw football pretty well. I play football. So I'm sitting here throwing him routes and I'm catching routes and people are looking at the teaching guys how to throw the spiral pass. I had another friend. He was an officer in my... Um, company he ended up coming to my wedding he and that guy both came to my wedding it was incredible that they came to my wedding he and i used to go out all the time in europe we used to go places at one time we went to trier went clubbing it was pretty cool and then at the end of the night you know we're like we're still kind of feeling wired we're like let's go someplace you know let's, let's let's mix it up a little bit it was a strip club i'd never been to a strip club in my life so I go in there and I'm weirded out. Something about strip clubs because I, I I consider myself well dressed, good looking guy. I don't need a strip club. I don't need to pay no girl to dance for me. You know what I'm saying? I I, I can you know I can talk my way. You know, and it's funny this stripper came down. To, she's trying to talk me up. I just had this conversation with her about her life and just talking with her. It was such a good conversation. She was so nice. I was thinking, this is somebody's daughter. She's a really nice girl. She's doing a line of work on my daughter. Did I? kill myself in a second i'd be like no please don't please whatever there's so many things i want for my little girl and not a stripper is not one of them i don't care how much money you make but europe was so amazing and i had another friend out in europe he was a roommate of mine at the academy it was funny because i found out you're in germany i'm in germany let's go out and party in germany and we would party in germany and we met other guys from the academy it was funny guys they oh, i haven't seen you in years and we're all officers now they're in the air force i'm in the army and we went all kind of places and did stuff and it was just like he the funniest thing was he had this bike tour he was going on all over europe he had to complete the london bike tour to get a t-shirt from this company because fat tire bike tour or something stupid like that and he was just like let's do this bike so i can get this t-shirt i'm thinking i don't want to do a bike tour in the middle of the city who wants to be the tourist on a bike with a little ding 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 <laughs> so we were riding and the funniest thing was there was this italian kid he was a little kid his mom was there this kid was a young kid he's eight nine years old i mean you know what are you gonna, are you gonna do 10 11 i don't know He's awkward and goofy, and I'm looking at him. He's like, okay, this kid, he's with his mom. I mean, he, I'm out here looking, you know, checking everybody out. trying to. We're trying to figure out how to get tickets to the movies, well, to the musical theater. Because I had a hang. Every time I went to London, musical theater. Did that. Went saw Les Miserables, Q Street. I saw, what else I see? Family Opera. I saw it in London. It's fantastic. So we were riding on this bike tour. And the funniest thing. There's this Audi R8. If you don't know the R8, it's kind of Audi's high-end supercar. 
It's a V10 or V8. It's about 200 mile an hour car, all wheel drive. It's top of the line stuff. It's it's. You see an R8, you'll know it. It's the Iron Man car, okay? You see your regular Audis, and then Audi decides to step it up, you know, like because they bought Lambo. You know, they they said we should probably get in the supercar business ourselves, right? So, and this kid kind of stumbles and kind of falls into an Audi R8. I said, get away from him. I, I can't bear to be around this kid. I, I was so mortified. Like, how did you fall? Get your bike against an Audi R8, you idiot. Oh, my. If I'd been the car owner, I'd have killed him. I'm sorry. Don't do that, but don't take your R8 into London. Take it out to the country roads where you can get advantage of that beautiful, that magnificent engine. It's not that loud, but it's still beautiful car it's just like oh what are you doing i had other friends you know lieutenants we go to prague prague was such a beautiful city saw a ferrari 458 there oh let me tell you you ever see a ferrari 458 a red ferrari 458 in person that's like that's like seeing that's better than seeing the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa I saw in Paris. I saw it several times. It's actually unimpressive. It's a small photo. On the other wall, there's this huge photo with all these figures, and it's so magnificent. Nobody's looking at it because they're all looking at the Mona Lisa because we've all been trained to look at the Mona Lisa. And I'm just thinking, whatever. But that was amazing. Going to Scotland. Oh, I love playing football in Scotland. It was weird with all these other Scottish kids who never played football. I'm 29 years old playing football with these young kids. I'm still dusting these cornerbacks, you know, giving them that work. My quarterback can't get the ball to me. <laughs> I'm breaking I'm breaking coverage, but it was just wonderful. You go to school, you go to class, and you can play on the football team in Scotland. And you're like, I had the GI Bill. I was going for my master's, and it was a wonderful year. I never used my master's, but I loved the year of learning because those English students were so smart. Like, just the way they talk, they have an air of academic legitimacy that me, I showed up, and they all go, well, I did this and that, and I did this studies here for this, and this NGO, and I'm like, yeah, I was in the Army, and I just decided to study this. <laughs> and they were all kind of like, you were in the Army? I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking of nothing of it. And they're like, whoa, did you go to Afghanistan? Yeah. What? I'm like, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't like it was, it wasn't like Stalingrad. So don't, don't get caught up in it. I mean, but I just, I love those memories. I think about Scotland all the time. Scotland's so beautiful. You ever get a chance to go to Scotland? I endorse Scotland, Munich, Prague. Go to Prague in the springtime. There's no more beautiful city. We did a river cruise. In Prague, day after clubbing. And of course, I had to have a sandwich and I had to have absinthe because you had absinthe in Prague. And oh my goodness. Incredible. And like I said, the nightclubs, we did, that was funny, we did the nightclubs. We did this huge nightclub in Prague. It was a five story club. It was awesome. We did that to about three in the morning. Then me and this other guy was like, let's go to this other club. You know, we want to still club. I love the club. I love the party. And so I get down there in the club, and we're dancing and everything, and it's like, man, it's getting late. What time is it? We don't have a watch. We come outside the club. It's sunny, and people are doing their Saturday morning shopping. We're like, whoa. We really went hard. But I love the party. I love the club. It was so much fun. The energy, the vi the vitality. It was just like you were so alive when you did it and everything. And it was funny because um, I used to have a thing where, I, you know, we go, and I, 
get a room in a city, you know, because you want to get set up, you know, you want to go out clubbing, you want to go drinking, you want to go party hard, you know, you got to have yourself set up. So I would make a deal. I said, listen, you guys pay for my drinks. I'll pay for transportation. I'll drive you in my Audi and I'll pay for the hotel room. Seems like a fair trade, right? I could, I could drink pretty heavily. I, I have a very high tolerance. I'm like under men in my family. I hate to say that. Men in my family are beer drinkers. I am a liquor drinker, straight up. That hard stuff. I don't get drunk because it's not like I'm, like I'm dancing. I'm burning off all that alcohol. It got to the point where they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to split this even because, you know, I could, my bill, my drinking bill in a club <laughs> would go pretty high. I just enjoyed all of that stuff, all the relationships, the fun, just being around people, just the back and forth. Like I said, it's one of the parts of my life. I look back and I go, you know, I'm thankful for it. That I, you know, I'm I'm bummed that I don't have it anymore. I don't have those kind of relationships anymore. I'm kind of making efforts to try to reach out, trying to kind of I'm tentatively reaching out. I'm not trying to be cloistered, but I'm like, eh. I'm thankful to have had them. Like I said, better to have had than lost them than to have never had to begin with. I'm glad I at least had those memories. I'm glad it's a had, and not a never was. I'm just thankful for it, you know. Like I said, same thing with the children. I'm glad I had children. Glad I can teach them little lessons and watch my little girl learn how to box. Taught her how to play chess at five, you know. Got to teach my son how to play chess now, you know. Some little things, you know, teach them little life lessons and you watch them grow. And it's just like you get this moment and you go, you ride with it, you know. Because one of the things like the panic attacks and all that stuff, I hadn't had one in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, my thing now was just like, I'm going right at it. Whatever sensation makes me feel uncomfortable, I replicate it and I do it intentionally. So before I get in the truck, I said, man, my heart will start racing. I'll run before I get in the truck, high knees, full speed for three minutes. Get my heart rate all the way up and be like, okay, I'm good. I'm here. I didn't drop dead. Because, you know, when I had that heart work over i had the full works i had the heart monitor for 24 hours then i went for the mri where they put dye in my veins so they can see where the fluid was flowing how it was pumping and everything then i did the stress tests then i went back in the mri to see how the pumping was going and then i did an echocardiogram and they're like nothing's wrong with you i'm like okay so now i have to take that knowledge and when i ever feel those kind of feelings come up i have to go i'm fine Uncomfortable, but not dangerous. Uncomfortable, but not dangerous. And I, I find that helps a lot because it was funny. I, t- I took my um, blood oxygen level with a little finger thing. I don't even know what this is called, right? So I did that, and I sat there, and I looked at it, and one of them freaked me out. It was like 83% oxygen, 72% oxygen with heart rate 140. It was initial reading, and I sat there and looked at it, and I was like, before I would have freaked out and I would have spiraled. And I said, uncomfortable, but not dangerous. And all of a sudden I went to the 89, the 94, the 98. Heart rate went back to 70. And I was like, well, I'll be. That's amazing. And I've always said, I'd rather have a panic attack in, a panic attack in the truck doing what I love. Being out here, like I'm sitting in the yard, mechanics are cool. They're doing their thing. They got a lot of trucks out here, Penske. I mean, it's not like having your own mechanic where they fix your stuff and you're on your way. I've been here for five hours. I'm getting paid for it. I'm thankful. You know, I'm making money. Like I said, make a good amount of money this week. A lot of us sitting here getting my stuff fixed. I'll take it. You know, other things in my life, the negatives, and you look at the positive, like my grandma's death on my mom's side. 
extremely traumatic for the family because I would love my grandma dearly. I love all my grandparents dearly. And her death was traumatic. But I think the months before she died, when I didn't have a job and I was waiting to get into gas hauling, every night I'd go over there and she'd, we'd sit there on the couch. She'd talk about her life. We'd watch old movies. She'd always download Rita Hayworth or Fred Astaire movies. Cause I love Fred Astaire and Rita Hayworth. I love the old Hollywood movies when they're dancing and singing. Clark Gable was my guy. And I just loved that. And we'd sit there and talk and she'd talk about her life. And her life story was something out of a movie. That's the only frame of reference that we have is a movie where this child grows up in this horrendous environment, right? And to do what she did in her life. And I'm thankful because she loved us, helped raise us. My mom was at work and she'd watch us, take us to movies, took us to our first movie, took us to theme parks and everything, loved us, paid for my piano lessons. Like, like I said, I'm 38 years old, been playing piano for 33 years. I owe it to my mom and my grandma. They were the ones that pushed when I was a sixth grader, wanted to go out and play baseball, and I got to practice that hour first. I didn't think nothing of it at the time. I was like, oh, I want to go out and play baseball and everything. But then all of a sudden, I realized, years later, I'm like, thank God for those people. Thank God they did that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and you know, I think all the bad things. Like I think of my experience with the church and everything, and all the headaches and heartaches. But I'm thinking, the people I got to meet. Especially playing for the men's choir. I enjoyed that. I used to love going on the bus with the men's choir. Because the men would get on the bus. Just the men. Because you don't get away from the women. You're like, okay, listen. We're going to be dudes now. Okay? We ain't going to sit here and do all this clappy stuff. We're going to be dudes. We're going to bust each other's chops. And you hear men bust each other's chops. And they'd argue. And they'd joke. And it was just a good time camaraderie. And I was like, you know what? This is cool. And I'm thankful to have those memories. And so sometimes I, I, I like just taking a walk down memory lane. Uh, last memory, like I said, because I was at the Air Force Academy. I made an unlikely friend. He was a kid from Minnesota, big old hockey player-sized kid. He wasn't that tall, but he was just, he was like gorilla strong. And I wasn't that big. I wasn't big at all. And he got me into lifting, and I was his lifting partner for two years. And every other day, we'd do the same workout, and eventually do the weights. We'd do the, you know, hypertrophic lifting. With drop sets and lots of drop sets and everything. And all of a sudden, I got bigger and stronger. And we just hung out. And this thing that he helped instill in me, I carry to this day. Now, I'm still training and stuff. It's funny because all these panic attacks and stuff. But physically, I'm some of the best shape of my life now. I'm still doing my Olympic lifting, kettlebells, b boxing. Getting back into that. I miss sparring, though. I, I, I do miss that that rush of fear because sparring is like really like that first sparring session you have is like that fear because you know you get in there you go to boxing class you do the bag work you do the mitt work and coach says mouthpieces you know what time it is mouthpieces are for one reason <laughs> you're getting punched you better be ready for it and that's nerve-wracking and that first round couple rounds you do is just adrenaline and your form is bad and you're off but then all of a sudden you settle down and you begin to kind of see everything a little more slowly now your punches become a little more controlled you're setting up your shots i remember that's when i first switched to southpaw and sparring and i found out that i could just really get that right hook off i just really move and land shots and i just missed that and then we go clubbing that night so i wasn't in the mood to fight because guess what i got it all out of me that day before so like i said it's 
all the negative I do on this podcast, it, it's it's really nice though. The little things in life that you remember, the little goofy memories, the people. You know, I complain about them not being there anymore, and it does bother me. But I also look back and I'm like, I'm glad that they were there though. I'm glad that they were in my life when they were, because even now, like I said, I'm glad. Even now for the panic attacks, it's teaching me a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about myself, about my mental health, about what's real, about what's not real, about how to deal with it, about how to take your fear and face it head on, like I said, because I don't run from the panic attacks. They're not bad. They're your body's fight or flight thing gone wire. You got to get it under control and be like, hey, it is what it is. It's not going to kill you. And so I'm thankful every day I go out in the truck, I don't have a panic attack. I get to my spots, I do my thing, I talk with the forklift drivers and meet people, you go places. I went to this one place in Sapphire, North Carolina. Oh my goodness, that mountain pass was scary. Those tight turns and everything. That, that was scary. But you know what? You make it up there, you make it back, you make it all the way back to Columbia, you're like, hey, ain't no thing. So, like I said, you know, my advice to you sometimes, you know, if you even listen to me like that, take stock of the little things. Even the bad. The bad is there for a reason, but you have the moment now. And just take a look at the little things and be thankful for some of the stuff because it's good. It's good for your soul because always being in the negative because, like I said, this media cycle, this social media, this this world we're creating where people are becoming more and more cloistered, withdrawn, insular, is not a good world to be in. It's not a thankful world. It's not a content world. It's an unhappy world. So you find those little things, like I said, a sunrise. It, there's some beautiful sunrises. There's just some days where it just hits you and you're like, that's incredible. Like I said now... When they put that brake tape tomorrow on, I'm going to take this truck and drive it back to the yard. And I have one more day this week, then I have the weekend. And I'm like, thank goodness, I get paid tonight. Go home, putz around for a little bit, get up, do it again. Hopefully it'll be a short day tomorrow. It might be a long day, like I said. They paying for it now. I'm in overtime mode now, so I'm in, I crossed my 40-hour threshold, so I'm thankful. So now I'm just getting paid time and a half, so I'm like... It's a nice job, but low-key. I mean, getting the truck fixed is a pain, but I like being in the truck. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Like I said, this week I'm going to go back to Linux. Eventually, I'm going to be thankful and get back to the Arabic. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning Arabic, how to write it and read it and stuff. I was like, you know what? Add something to my toolkit. And like I said, hopefully, hopefully this spring, this winter break, weather breaks, start planting some garden. I do, I do love just getting fresh crop from my garden. That's something I like. I hate going to the grocery store and getting stuff. But I'm thankful that I have it. I had a little funny experience last thing. It was weird because I thought the store shelves being empty and everything. You know, and some of them are, you know. And the last couple of weeks, I couldn't get ginger. I like, I like a good thing of ginger tea, you know. Dice it up, put it in some hot water, let it simmer for about 5-10 minutes and drink up some ginger tea. I love that. So, I couldn't get it the last couple of weeks. I was disappointed. And all of a sudden, one week I went in, there's ginger. The feeling of finally seeing ginger. I love that feeling of, oh boy, we get ginger today. <laughs> As opposed to the usual, oh, there's just ginger there. It's just going to be there because it has to be there. Because the truck drivers have to bring. Because the farmers have to grow. Because the shippers have to ship it. It was nice to kind of enjoy having that ginger. I got a big old piece too. That being said, 
He's about done with my brake chamber, so I should be getting out of here about 4, back to the yard by 4.40. And being out of there by 5, being home by 5.40. Do a little bit of eating, do a little bit of sleeping, getting ready for Friday. Take a break from lifting today. I might do some calisthenics. I've, I've enjoyed calisthenics. That, that's been good for my mind. Challenging my body in different ways. Defying gravity. Doing handstands. All kinds of stuff. Planches. It's incredible. I love it. Sometimes. It's, it's, it's a joy. That being said, I know this isn't the usual negative stuff. But, you know, I started off with negative. I ain't gonna not be negative. But, you know. Take care of yourself. Take a moment to be thankful. Like I said. We only have this moment. And the next moment is not promised. So... Whatever you can accumulate, be thankful for it. In the midst of all the craziness, take care of yourself, and we'll definitely catch you on the flip side.